Well, if you would, please uh, pray with me. Uh, Lord, we love you, and we're so thankful to be gathered here in your presence uh, this morning. God, we're thankful for your word and the promise that comes with uh, being in your word, that you would refill us this morning, God, that you would expose new truths, God, that you would expose blind spots in the way that we think. God, that you would show us in what we truly believe in this morning. And we ask that through the Holy Spirit, you would open your word. God, that you would give us insight. That you would illuminate your heart for your children that are adopted through the blood of your son, Jesus. God, be glorified. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, So this is... uh, we had to come a three-week break between series. Uh, next week, we'll start a new series uh, about who we are as a church. Um, last week, we started talking about why we sing the songs that we sing, and we're going to continue to talk about that this morning. JP talked about uh, grace alone last week. This morning, we're going to talk about a song that's uh, called This I Believe. Um, but before we talk about that song, I want to kind of give you some behind-the-scenes insight on, on when we pick our songs, and we pick the songs here to sing, what that filtering process looks like. Uh, there's some severe uh, importance that goes along with the way we sing and the songs that we sing here as we gather together. Uh, the first thing as we sit down as a team that are selecting these songs that we look at is, it, one, is it biblical? Theologically, does it... Does it line up with the convictions of uh, the church and our doctrine, right? So that's incredibly important that we understand that the songs that we're singing uh, are theologically rich. The second question that we ask is, who's the hero of the song? And sometimes we hear a lot of songs where, uh, and even on the the Christian radio, where uh, God's not really the hero, we're the hero. We're the one that's doing all the work and all the effort. And so we want to be, we think it's very important that, uh, that the, Hero of every song is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if, it, if God's not the hero, then is it worth singing corporately together? The next question is, does uh, it cause us to reflect and then also celebrate and remember what Christ has done for us on the cross? And so we go through all those filtering processes. And the last one is, well, is it glorifying to God? Is this something that, that we would want to stand in front of the Lord and, and, and sing? Is it glorifying to God? Then there's some practical pieces. After you go through that first, that first wave of questions, there's, there are practical pieces. Uh, but we don't want pragmatism to drive our hearts in the way we sing songs. And so, the net, you know, is it singable? All right? Are we going to sound good singing it? That, that's a question we ask. Uh, is it likable? Do we like it? Uh, does, it make, you know, does it? does it make sense uh, corporately? There are a lot of rich theological songs that are really hard to sing. And so just to kind of give you an insight, that's the way we, we pick songs. Uh, we want to make sure that God's honored in it. They're theologically rich. They honor God. God's the hero of every song that we sing. And so today we're going to look at a song called This I Believe. Um, usually when we, ha- when we pick a song set, you'll see that there's two hymns and there's two uh, more modern songs and then one that's a more of a modern hymn. So some of the songs that we sing are 100 to 300 years old. The song that we're going to look at today its original form, it wasn't a song at all. Uh, it's about 1,700 years old. And so it's, it's made it through uh, centuries of church growth and church change, dark times in the church, and really 
joyous and celebrating times through the, through the church. 1,700 years old. Uh, about 1,300 years ago, it was given the title, the Apostles' Creed. And so some of you may be very familiar with that, that creed. Um, and so it was given that, that title about 1,300 years ago. But first of all, we'll look at kind of the historical perspective of it. Uh, the Apostles' Creed it was not written by the Apostles. It was written by the community of believers a couple hundred years uh, after the, the Apostles, about 150 years after the Apostles. And the reason that it was written is that, that the community of believers would be ha- able to have a, a form that, um, that was simple, right? That it was, it was brief and it gave good order into what you actually believe as a church, uh, a lot of the creeds throughout history, they were created because there was, uh, there was distorted teaching that was beginning to happen in about the hundredth, uh, the first, in the first century. There was some distorted gospels. We hear Jesus teach about be careful of false gospels that are out there. And so these doctrines were, um, these creeds were created so that we could have something that we could check in and look at. Wanted to be simple, wanted to be brief, wanted to be structured. It was for the, the uplifting and the encouragement of the body of Christ. But it was also shaped and formed for those that were outside the faith. So that those in the church could have a very condensed, simple way of explaining what we believe to those that were outside of the faith. When you were asked the question, well, what is it that you believe? And some of us, would even if today, if someone were to ask you that question, you may stumble around. You may kind of try to figure out a, a way to, to announce or uh, to lay out what you believe as, as a Christian. And so the Apostles' Creed was given to the church, the early church, as a way to be able to explain some of the foundations, the, the doctrines that we believe as a church. Uh, the Creed is, is not to replace the Bible. So some of you in here is like, oh, he's preaching on the Creed. That's a weird thing to preach on. Well, we're actually preaching about the Bible. And the creed, if you were to look at the creed and the points of the creed that we'll read later on this morning, you're going to find that everything that is in the creed, you'll first find in God's word. And then in God's word, you're going to find the depths of how these, these doctrinal statements are, are unpacked. And so the creed is for us to have a glossary, a summary of what we believe. But the Bible, that's where we go when we want to actually answer the questions that we may have, even when reading the creed this morning. We'll see, uh, I want us to spend a little bit of time in, in a text this morning that actually imitates what we're talking about, why the purpose of the creed is. The creed was for us to, um, to pass down generation to generation what we believe, right? And so we see what Dan read for us just a second ago in 2 Timothy 1. We see this beautiful relationship between Paul and Timothy. And what we see is that he starts the letter to Timothy by saying, hey, remember, uh, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So we see this discipleship happening, this generation to generation to generation, that a mom may teach their child, a dad would sit down and tell them the ways of the Lord. And they may use something like the creed to sit down and say, well, what do we believe? Well, we believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. That he was the one in the very beginning in Genesis 1 that, that created and spoke life into what exists today through the power of his word. 
You start teaching your children that and they get lit up and they get excited and they want to learn more about who this God is that we worship and we serve. And so you see this, that Paul recognizes it in this, this story with Timothy. It shows us that Paul and Timothy knew each other so well that, that Paul knew Timothy's family and his story behind who he was and how he came to faith. Uh, the second letter to Timothy was written in Paul's final imprisonment. So the first two letters, 1 Timothy and also Titus, he was, was written in uh, the first and second imprisonment. But 2 Timothy was written in Paul's final imprisonment. And the reason we know that it's final, is Paul's final imprisonment because it says that the time, Paul writes, the time of my departure has now come. And the reason we're going to talk about this is because we're going to hear the urgency of a man that knows that he's about to take his last breath and he's looking at his disciple. And he's saying, this is important. This is important for you to believe. And this is important for you to continue to extend to other people. It's funny how, how uh, Paul got in prison here. In uh, 66 to 67 AD, uh, the emperor at the time, his name was Nero. And Nero was an architect. He loved art. And so he decided that he was going to burn down Rome so he could rebuild it. But as, as uh, the emperor of Rome, you can't just go and light the city on fire, right? But he did. And so then he realizes, well, I need to blame this on someone. So he blames it on the Christians. So the Christians are now blamed in 66 AD for burning down Rome. And who better to go after than the one that's spearheading the church movement, planting churches, extending the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ. So they went after Paul and they arrested Paul. So Paul, now we find him in his, in his final imprisonment writing this letter to 2 Timothy. And I share that with you because Paul realizes that he's not getting out of this one. It's his time to go. It's his time to go and be with the Father. Yet he's still pinning the words to his faithful disciple to remind him, uh, to, to correct him. There's a little bit of rebuke in this letter to encourage him. Hey, continue to fight the good fight. The reason that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy is because Paul hated knowing that there was a distorted gospel that was still being passed around amongst the people. That people were still teaching false doctrine. And so Paul wants to encourage Timothy, hey, don't, don't let this happen. You have to fight the good fight. You have to stay faithful, remain faithful. And so the question that I, that I have for us as we look at this letter from Paul to Timothy and that we examine our own hearts today, is that, well, how do we remain faithful? How is it that we, have a, a people that live in a culture that has false teachings of the gospel all over the place, all over the news, how do we remain faithful to God's word in the midst of this culture? And so in verse 7, we see Paul start giving some instruction on that, right? He says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of self-control. Paul is reminding Timothy the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. This is not a, a power of the flesh that you could, that you could uh, go out and battle against false doctrines. You can't love people enough in your own flesh. You have to rely on. On Jesus, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit for you to be able to go and not live a life of fear in the midst of a culture that's fighting against the truth. It tells him again in verse eight it says, "Do not be ashamed 
So we're looking at this and we're like, well, was Timothy fearful? Was Timothy uh, afraid? Was he, was he ashamed? Well, he may have been. He may have been afraid of what people were going to do to him. He sees one of his, his mentors that are actually in prison because he was known as the Christian that's planting all these churches. So, yeah, it would be very reasonable for Timothy to maybe have some fear, maybe have some shame. And Paul, Paul is simply saying to him that we're not supposed to live that way. He actually goes a step further and he says, I actually want you to share in the suffering. Share in the suffering of the gospel. Paul is writing these words in prison where he is underneath the most crucial type of suffering as a prisoner. And he's reminding Timothy, remember what Jesus did on the cross as he suffered for us. And as I am a prisoner suffering now, that you would go into this with a heart that that you have to embrace the persecution and the suffering that's promised to come along as we are people that are going to share the gospel with other people. And the reason is, is that when we lean into what we believe and we lean in to the suffering and rejoice in that, is that it draws us to a deeper reliance on God. It help us, helps us understand that we don't know how to fight against this, that we don't have the strength in us, that we don't have the, the right amount of love or the right amount of self-control to know how to fight against suffering and persecution. So it... it demands that we rely on the Holy Spirit. And as we sing the song, we think about the Apostles' Creed, is that we believe in the Holy Spirit, that it would give us the strength that we need. Timothy, uh, he may have been struggling, he may have been beating himself up for for not doing enough or or feeling like he should be doing more. Verse 9 says, it's not because of your works though, Right? But it's because of his own purpose and his own grace. It shows us that Timothy is is called to a a holy calling. Just like you and I as believers that we're called to a holy calling. Something that we can't do on our own. It's a calling that that God has placed on us as believers as as he's captured our hearts and he's sent us out into the world. That we would be people that would be uh, people that are full of belief in that it's only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to go into this calling as Christians. We can't do it on our own. The false teaching that's going on out there is because they've stepped away from God's Word. They've stepped away from relying on the Holy Spirit. They've stepped away from the belief system that is ingrained in us through Jesus. And they've started to teach something that's other than Christ. And so we're, as a holy calling, we're called to have our hearts ingrained in God's Word and God's Scripture. And so as we look at the creed, we see uh, Paul teaching Timothy, hey, these are things that we must believe. These are things that you must keep in the forefront of your heart and your eyes set and locked on Jesus. And if you don't, then then you're not going to know how to battle against it, and you may even slip into that false teaching. I like the way... uh, that Matt Chandler says when he talks about the, the Apostles' Creed, he says, uh, a biblical creed is like the moon. It does not create light like the sun. It reflects light from the sun. A biblical creed reflects the truth of the Bible. The Apostles' Creed is, is not a belief in something. It's a belief in someone. 
And as we read the words today, you're going to see that this is a belief in Jesus. As our creator, our sustainer, the one that, that holds all things together through his word. And that's our call as, as believers is that we would read the Apostles' Creed with a heart to say, I know that you are the Father, the God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. That's how it starts off. It starts off with, I believe in this. And then you get down to, to, to summary statements like, I believe in holy Catholic church. Which some of us are like, well, wait a second, we're not Catholic, right? Well, that is a unifying statement of the whole of the church. And it's holy because God is holy. And He has create, created and protected His bride to be holy for His purpose, for His beautiful glory. So we look at a wonderful document like the Apostles' Creed this morning. And we sing the song, This I Believe, this morning. Because it's been something that's been in our church family for 1,700 years. People that have been reciting this for 1,700 years. For the first three or 400, it was actually not called the Apostles' Creed. In the third century, it was called the Faith Statement or the Belief. And then in the seventh century, it was shaped and finalized as the Apostles' Creed. So for 1,300 years, we as a church have been reading this creed. And 1,700 years later, or 1,300 years later, we get to sing it. It's kind of cool. Six years ago, an Anglican priest in Australia came to uh, the band, some of you may be familiar with, called New, um, called Hillsong, and asked, hey, would you uh, put music to the Apostles' Creed? We think it would be something that would be unifying to the whole of the church. And so they put music to uh, this, this beautiful song, this, this creed. And so now that it's survived, it continues to teach us today about what we believe and why we believe what we believe. This, I believe, is a song that's about hope. It's, a, it's about hope in Jesus. That our hope can't be found in, in anything else. Just like we, we sang earlier that Jesus is the cornerstone that some have rejected. But those who believe have made the head what brings it all together. And so Timothy, as he leaves this, this, uh, the first chapter, and he's encouraging, um, I mean, sorry, as Paul's encouraging Timothy, he writes these words. Guard the good deposit that's entrusted in you. So we... We read song, we, we sing this song, This I Believe, because we look at Jesus and we recognize that He's the Creator. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit. He's born of a virgin. He's our Redeemer. He's, he has died our death. He was buried in our tomb. He resurrected to offer us resurrection life. He is our Savior. He is our Judge. And we are called to believe in the Holy Spirit that indwells within us. God has made his, his holy church holy because He is holy. That we are to gather together and worship out loud to sing songs of praise to our Father who offers us forgiveness so that we can offer and extend that forgiveness to other people. And the end of the creed it says, and the best is yet to come. That there's everlasting life. And so often we get caught up in a culture that's so worried about tomorrow that we forget to look to the hope of the future in Jesus. 
that this is about everlasting life. A thing that I'd like for us to, to reflect on, even this morning, as you think about your, your family uh, uh, issues, your brokenness at your workplace, the brokenness in your home, in your family, the things that, that feel like they're just festering around you, I think we should ask the question, what do I really believe about God right now? When the things are fighting for our distraction over and over again, they're fighting for our attention in this world, the question we have to ask is, what do I really believe about God right now? Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. Romans 10, the, the word is near in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is why it's important that we keep what we believe in front of us. This is why we, we would sing a song like this, I believe. This is why the Apostles' Creed has made it 1,700 years. But more importantly, this is why God's Word is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and will cut through bone and marrow and divide soul and spirit to offer us life. Life eternal. Life everlasting. It's not going away. It is through our belief in the One. It's not just knowledge, but it's through the belief in the One that came and died on the cross that we'd have life in Him. So today is a way of doing that. Is that we're just going to we're going to read the apostles' creed together, and then we're going to sing the song "This I Believe" together, and we're going to worship God together. 
we are not worthy of any of this, that we also often feel like Paul. I mean, feel, feel like Timothy. Okay, I got to do more, or maybe I'm ashamed, or maybe I'm timid, or I don't have the, the courage or the strength. But here's the promise. Believe the Holy Spirit and dwells within you, and it is He that is working, not you. It is He is greater than I. He is working in you. So wherever your feet go, wherever the Lord takes you, it's for a purpose. For the men and women that, that, and children that God puts in front of you, it's to share that good news of Jesus. And let this statement of faith just be something that reminds us this is what it's about. So I want you to stand with me. And in uh, your bulletin this morning, you'll find the creed right after the section of the sermon. Also, I want to point you to, there's a paper that's outside the door there that has the creed on it. And it also has this, I believe, and how they line up with one another. And then on the back of that, it has the Apostles' Creed with, with references of every line. Uh, not exhausted, but a reference to Scripture that will help you kind of walk, navigate through the creed. Uh, so if this is a helpful tool, there's some of those out there. But please, uh, we're going to read the creed, to, uh, the Apostles' Creed together, and then I'll pray, and then we'll sing this, I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. Father Almighty. For there we will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please remain standing. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this, I believe. Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace. God, thank you for allowing a creed, a statement like this to uh, exist for 1,700 years and knowing that it's rooted in your word, your truth, your breath, your life. It's rooted in you, Jesus. It is about you, Jesus. And that our belief would not fall from that, God, but it would hold tightly to these truths for your glory. God, I pray that you would empower your adopted sons and daughters to go into a lost world and share these beautiful truths with those that you place in front of us. God, that we would not be ashamed or timid. God, we wouldn't think that it's about us and the things that we do or have done, but we would recognize it is what you have accomplished on the cross. It's what you have already done for your children. So as we sing this song, Lord, be glorified. This is about you. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.